started podcasting so i actually started this with my one of my best friends george uh back in 2020 because we were getting older and we just wanted to hang out like once a week yeah and just make sure we were catching up staying involved in each other's lives because again the older you get the tougher it is to stay connected so we started in 2020 with the goal of doing one episode a week for 52 weeks and then you know kind of took off a little bit and then covid happened so we were doing a lot of virtual and then we stopped doing virtual we kept doing in person because nobody could do in person like no real media outlets could do anything but we weren't a real a real media outlet so we were doing a lot of in person during covid and you know we had a whole bunch of olympians athletes musicians a lot of musicians actually and then uh yeah and then he stopped what about four months ago five months ago he's just too busy he's got you know he's getting married soon he's just super busy uh, with work so I said, okay. Then she was part of it. She was kind of managing more off off camera, but she had a mic. And then I was like, hey, Danny, let's do this together. And we're what? About 10 episodes in together? I think so. It doesn't yeah, feel like that. that. It feels like less, but. I feel like it feels like more because you've always kind of, you've been part of it for the last like 50 episodes. Yeah, I guess. And it's nice because you have a female perspective now, right? Before it was just like two guys. And like, if you get another like guy on sometimes it becomes like a boys episode, right? So now we have a female perspective, which is nice. Yeah. What made you guys like, do like 52 weeks or did you pick like a a time frame you wanted to do it consistently for yeah we said we were gonna do just one a week for the year it was like a new year's resolution oh, 52 weeks yeah, is yeah. a year yeah so that's why we said we'll do it once because at least it guarantees that we hang out we spend two to three hours together a week just catching up on each other's lives and just maintaining our friendship because again i'm sure i don't know how old are you uh, I turned 30 last November exactly so again it's one of those things the older you get the less time you have for your friends everyone's getting married everyone's you know, doing their things, busy with work, having kids. Like, if you don't make plans a month in advance, it's tough to see your friends. Yeah. So that's why I said we'll do it once a week. And we were 30 at the time in, in 2020, or going into 2020, we were turning 30, yeah. Nice. So it was, uh, that's it. But anyways, we're not here to talk about us. We're here to talk about you. Yeah. Um, I guess, do you want to give a quick intro on, on who you are and what you do for the people listening? Yeah, uh, sure. Uh, I go by Nishid Kroma. I'm an artist in the city, and uh, I've been doing my thing for two and a half years full time now, and uh, kind of just trying to you know work on my craft, make artwork that speaks to people, make artwork that I'm inspired by. Uh, I've had a chance to do some pretty cool collaborations. I've worked with Adidas. I've worked with the Raptors, uh, Argonauts, Leafs. Uh, it's been cool. Um, yeah. yeah, that's awesome. I want to uh, I want to ask, and this is a good segue to start. When you did the the billboard stuff, mm-hmm. where did that idea come from? Because I know part of the ad was like I pitched, I showed a bunch of museums my artwork, and I, they didn't accept it, so I decided to put them all over the city or something. And like, I remember seeing this what like a year ago, year and a half ago now. Yeah, and I thought that was the smartest, coolest idea ever, <laughs> because I was so, I remember seeing them. I'm like, that art's fucking sick. And then I saw the ads or the, saw the Instagram post, and I'm like, "Holy fuck, he did that himself! Like, that's a fucking genius idea." Which other, like, how else do you get your art in front of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people, right? Fuck, put it on a billboard, put it outside on the, for everybody to see. And there was one right near here, actually, right yeah. on Spadina, right? Yep. Yeah. Fuck. I, how'd you think of the idea, or like, where'd it come from? Yeah, I mean, my goal in 2021, at this point, um, I had I, I lost my job. My, I was working in architecture. Uh, up until November 2020 Uh, I lost my job the day before my birthday so I'm full-time artist fresh off the press Uh, going into 2021 I'm feeling good I feel like I've developed like a really strong skill set and I was just asking you about like your like cadence because I did something similar in 2020 
where I wanted to make one artwork a day for the year to try and build an audience, build out my skill set to maybe start a business with it after, you know, like I had no intention of selling my artwork or even like thinking people would want to buy my artwork, but you know, things don't always work out the way you expect, but it was a great outcome. Um, so now I'm like 2020 comes to an end. I'm selling my artwork. I'm feeling good. Now the question is how do I showcase my artwork to people in the way that I feel like it should be showcased, which is in like a large format and printed. So I had the chance to showcase my artwork at this cafe called Malo. Is that uh, the first place that gave you like a nice break? Yeah, they were super nice about it. Like I pull up, uh, I see that they have artwork on the walls. I asked them if I could do that and they just wanted to see my work. I showed them my stuff and they were like super down. While my artwork was up, they gave me two months actually. Uh, they gave me free coffee. Anyone who I brought got free coffee. So like I was pampered. I got the royal treatment. So I just thought it was going to be easy like that, you know. <laughs> Moving forward, it was not the same. Like every, there were so many spots that were like, oh, like uh, it's digital artwork. Uh, it's not like, you know, it's not real. And like it was really like frustrating, aggravating. And like discouraging, really, because like, yo, my artwork is it's as real as it gets. Um, like, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Procreate at all. It's a painting software on, on iPad and it'll track how long each painting takes. It'll also tell you how many like brush strokes you put down on each piece. Uh, and these pieces are clocking in like on average at around 50,000 brush strokes. And for like someone to like look at me and be like, yeah, just cause like there's no like pigment on a canvas, it's not real. It was like, the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> no, but it's funny cause now that's the old way of thinking where it's like, oh, you need to physically do it. You need to be on a canvas with paint, water paint, oil, blah, 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 blah. It's like, just because someone's doing it digitally doesn't make it not art. Like, do you know, see that new art where it's those ones where you constantly zoom in and it's just yeah. more and more and more. Yeah, like, I see cool. that now and I'm like, that's so insane. 10 years ago, that or maybe not 10, maybe 20 years ago, that wasn't even a thought. There was no such thing as that. Now it's like, you know what I'm talking about? The ones where you zoom in, zoom in. So like now, now like, I feel like it's almost a matter of time to all, not all art, obviously, but like new forms of media will be digital. New forms well, of just art. Even when you're thinking of like how everything's turned digital, art has gone the digital route as well. Like even your architecture stuff, when you were working like 20 years ago, it was all pen and paper. Now I don't think any architects probably do pen and paper. It's all digital now. That's what I'm saying. Like everything is not everything, but like majority of stuff is digital. Animation movies, yeah. like all of this stuff, video games. Like where do you like draw the line on art? And that's the thing. Like art culture has like this really like strict, sometimes black and white view on like what constitutes like fine art versus non-fine art and even me like specializing in pop art is was like a taboo thing i was like scared to do it because i was scared that people were gonna look at me as less of an artist because i'm making fan art or whatever you'd want to call it but like you know there was a point where it really came down to i'm actually inspired by people like that's like one of the biggest things that moves me i love music i love music i love musicians and so i just tapped into that and i think that authenticity resonates with people and that's what has led to like my success as an artist being true to myself and like the best way to create what 
inspires me. So I'm asking a quick question. You mentioned getting laid off and then going at it this full time. Mm-hmm. Would you ever go back into <laughs> architecture? Probably not. Because I had a career switch during COVID too. Did so like you? I understand. Like I went from being in like marketing and events and I'm an accountant now. What? Yeah, like complete switch. Wild. It's what yeah. How did that happen? It started off as a joke and then I basically was like, Hey, let me because I I get my degrees in something else. So I was like, I gotta take an like an accounting class. Let me see if I like it. If I don't hate it, I'll do it. I'll try out the company within three months. If I don't like it, like we'll just know it's done. I'll like look for another job. Anyways, I started it and I loved it. Now I'm like three years in. But Wow do i love like do i love what i did before one thousand percent i was in like live events yeah i worked at mlsc for a bit yeah um but it's just like i also love what i'm doing now i would just integrate what i'm doing now into like my next step in my career so like would you ever go back or is this like <laughs> this is it now no that's amazing i don't think i would personally like i don't think i would go back in the capacity of working for another architecture firm mm-hmm. i think what might happen in, in like the distant future or maybe not so distant future is like if I practice architecture, it would be as an artist and like use my knowledge of like design and like all the software and how like things come together to create like large scale sculptural work. Or maybe it's like if I open up like a flagship store, maybe I'm designing that myself with like the help of like my other friends. So using your skills to like what's going to take you to that next step in the future. Did, were exactly. you always into this like art, art like and especially like digital like all of that no not digital um i loved art my whole life uh i moved around a lot as a kid and the story i tell people is that it was hard to make friends really because like i was moving maybe once every year oh shit that's a lot it's a lot and like it puts a lot of stress on a kid right like but i were you, were you always in the city or did you grow up outside so I was born in Bangladesh, moved to Montreal, then moved to Toronto. From Toronto, moved to Cali. And in Cali, I first lived in LA and then to the OC, then moved back to Toronto, then moved to Bangladesh, came back. And in Toronto this time, I moved oh, like shit. three more times. It was, it's like really hard on a kid to like move around that much. And like, and you're not even just moving like from vaughn to toronto yeah. like you're moving like cr- like co- cross country across the ocean yeah exactly yeah, wild like i think about that kid and it's like i felt i feel so bad for him because he had no control over where he was who like he can bond with but like my relationship with art was the like, only consistent thing and i think it was that like initial like love and stability that like kind of perpetuated throughout my life I ended up studying art in my undergrad. I studied fine art and psychology at Waterloo before doing my master's of architecture. Um, and even that like was to, well, when I say even that, I mean getting into architecture school was like a goal because I didn't think I could make a living as an artist. Like I had no idea how to do that. Um, and it sounded like really risky, you know, the whole trope, like starving artists, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so, you know, like uh, in art school, I did a lot of sculpture stuff with the intention of getting into architecture school. Like it wasn't focused. Nece- like I was creating honest, authentic stuff, but it was always with like the agenda of like, how do I make a portfolio that will get me accepted? Um, I do architecture school and it like, I, I guess 
the long story short of it is I ended up at a firm that really like let me do what I wanted to do, which is kind of rare for an architecture student out of right out of school. Um, They let me kind of have full autonomy. I was in the design department. Like I was doing cool shit. And despite all that, I still wasn't finding fulfillment. And, you know, after nine years of school, being able to do what like other kids in my cohort would have been so envious of and still not feeling happy it was like what do i do like i was thinking about switching careers at this point i did like uh, a ux part-time course thinking maybe i'll try a different design industry get into tech yeah it was like maybe graphic design like what else could i do that might bring me satisfaction but you know i really had to like sit with like like that idea, like will these other industries bring me satisfaction or am I just romanticizing them the way I romanticized architecture? And I kind of realized that everything was like a compromise and art really was my, like my longing. So I decided like, hey, maybe I just try to commit one year of my life to art and see what happens. And like I structured it so it, there was like a cadence involved, like a consistency practice. Like I have to do one of these things a day. I got my iPad uh, in 2019 as a birthday gift uh, from like all my family and friends. And that really helped because uh, one of the things I don't like about traditional art is how messy it is. Like every time you're gonna paint something, you have to set up. And then you have to clean up after you're done. Then you have to figure out where you're going to store all these things. Let, dry, let the painting dry. Well, it's like you need like a full other space almost to keep it. If you want to have like everything just like out all the time or you don't care about the mess or the this. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. And like, I didn't have that. Space. I was living with my parents at that time. Um, what else? Uh, and then if you wanted to post it to social media, which was like another active component of this challenge, like I have to take photos of it. I have to make sure the photos look nice to accurately like portray the physical art. Yeah. And I didn't have like a camera rig or like the means to do that. Like the iPad already was like out of my budget. So it was like <laughs> crazy that I got that as a gift. So I tried digital art for the first time and it was absolutely awful. Uh, it's really hard to add texture in a digital work environment. Um, if you, that makes no sense to you, like I, I would suggest just trying if you have an iPad to download Procreate and make something, and you'll notice very quickly like everything just looks so childish or like juvenile, cartoony. Yeah, um, and so my practice has kind of evolved to be like. Uh, this form of expression and like visual aesthetic that I translate a physical kind of texture into a digital space. So when my prints are printed out, especially on canvas, you will think that this was painted with physical paint, but that's like the illusion of the technique where I had no idea everything you did was digital. And like, I've seen like the piece you did for Vicky yeah, and I had no clue. Mm-hmm. Wait, what was the piece you did for MLC? Is this the... So oh, I saw a piece that he did, like, personally for Vicky. Like, oh. she has one at her condo. 
Yeah, I, uh, I don't know. Which has like one flowers though. on it. Well, like I feel like I most of your stuff has flowers. Yeah. No, I know, but like I'm trying to just like I can't just like I just like I've seen it. I just can't. Well, just who's the character, or who's the person? You know. <sighs> you can phone a friend. <laughs> yeah, that's it. We'll text her. We'll text her. Yeah. Oh, she Vicky probably posted it. it. Yeah. <clears throat> I want to ask, like, when did you? Where did the idea come from? Like, was it just like you saw? I don't know. A cool picture of Drake, and you're like, or who was the first actually? The uh, the first uh, was the the weekend. first real oh, the weekend that was your yeah. first. So wh- how did sorry you just saw a picture of the weekend like I'm gonna cut off half his face and put flowers and stuff. No, actually the weekend piece I did was not a floral piece. Okay, like, there was a whole series of like pop artwork where it was just like the artists and like there wasn't any floral okay. coverings. Um, the floral coverings happened because as I was posting these artworks onto Etsy. Uh, music labels are like flagging them thinking they were like photographs and taking my artwork down um and that was like a weird kind of situation because the legalities around creating artwork are kind of a gray zone and like technically i have the right to create whatever inspires me as long as the pieces that i'm making are like substantially different uh from my reference images and like hard to replicate and like the most people would not be able to replicate the stuff well, that I'm do, doing. Yeah. But the originals were kind of like the first, like that first. The originals were definitely more similar to my okay. reference images. Um, and I was like chasing after a photorealistic style. But at that time it was really, I was really focused on color and like how to use really bright, bold colors to like create texture, as I said earlier. Um, and then the flowers kind of came from the frustration of having my artwork taken down where now I was like kind of pushed in a corner and I was like, I can keep making artwork and like be stubborn about it, but why not be playful about it and cover the faces of these people that I'm painting um, and see what happens. Uh, I always love flowers. Like even in undergrad, like I was very focused on like just like botanical work using fabrics that had flowers on them um and prior to the pop art stuff i was like in my daily portrait stuff i was covering faces either like half covering or like full covering whatever it was something about it just i found really interesting um so it kind of like coalesced in that moment where like you know push came to shove and i wanted to keep working on pop art and i was like let's cover these faces with flowers and just see what happens the first one i did was the frank ocean piece blonded and that one was an easy one to do because his hands already like covering half of his face so i just put the flowers behind his hands and it just took off like people loved it and that was like really exciting for me because it was just like a really original kind of novel idea for me based on like you know circumstance and uh i just i kind of doubled down but it's also like adaptability yeah right you could have just again been stubborn kept doing what you're doing got taken down and you know maybe you wouldn't have been where you are today if you didn't okay hey you know what i gotta do something else i love flowers i love the idea of flowers let's add the two together flowers portraits realistic or pop art you know blending the two together and it's such a different look and that's kind of no, I'm not saying it's what led you to where you are now, but it's probably a good a good part of what led you to where you are now, right? Like if you didn't do this different style, maybe your career wouldn't have taken off to where it is now, right? Maybe you wouldn't have been able to do art full time if you didn't have this kind of 
conception or of two ideas coming together. I don't even know what I'm saying. Does, make, does you guys follow? Does it make sense? Yeah. I'm, I'm saying, following. Like, I'm just, I'm listening to someone. Like, oh, I don't know if this sounds as, in my head it makes sense, but I don't know if it's making sense as it comes out of my mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's what I mean. Like, it's, again, you can, anytime you're faced with a hard decision, it's like, okay, what do you do? Do you face it and give up or do you change? Do you adapt? Do you kind of pave your own way through something? And that's what you did, right? So it's obviously like, super cool because and again that's why we're here too in this podcast like i saw your art i thought this is so different so cool like i'm not an artist i have zero artistic talent but again i love just different things like these are the anthony richardi hearts right he's another like big art local artist and it's so cool and i just love it like i love bright colors i love people that are just doing things that are different and unique and fun like i know there's a lot of artists that do things that are different and unique but sometimes it's a lot more dark or a lot more harsh harsh colors and that just doesn't get me going. I love the bright colors, the flowers, the floral prints, the all that stuff. Yeah. I don't know, I guess. No, I feel you, man. Honestly, adaptability is like a really crucial thing to have when you're doing any sort of like adventure or idea. Like uh, when I was talking about my daily art challenge and not expecting to sell my, my, my artwork, like I started selling because people were asking. Where if, do I buy this? Yeah. And like that, that was like a fork in the road kind of moment, right? Where it was like, damn, if I start selling artwork, will I be able to focus on my main goal, which is like, I want to make one piece of art every day for this year. And it was like, you know, I know a lot of artists also struggle with the idea of like, oh, if I'm not satisfied with it, no one is allowed to have it. But the way I looked at it was if people want it, it's ready to be out there. Like I, I should enable that well i think that's one thing too with art like art's so objective and it's like i feel like even with like musicians that we listen to they might not like like not like one of those songs that they're putting out but everyone else loves it that it might, might not be, be their, their favorite song hit. it might be their biggest hit yeah that might not be your favorite piece but someone that might be someone's favorite piece yeah exactly and like it's it's fascinating because I, I decided, okay, I'm going to try and figure out how to sell my prints. And I figured out like a, a business model that let me kind of focus on creating artwork while selling my prints and having somebody else kind of take care of the logistical side of things. Um, and a lot of artists still message me and I don't know if it's recording. It's like, yeah, it's it not moving. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. It's just, it's getting caught up. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> but I appreciate you. Yeah, no worries. I, <laughs> We've had episodes where this has happened. <laughs> yeah, but no, I, I caught it earlier doing that. I was like, that's why I brought the mouse. Oh okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like, <laughs> yeah, you never know. Right? That's why I've been, I've been keeping an eye. On yeah, um, yeah. Artists will like message me, being like, hey, like I just want to know like how I can sell my artwork. Um, like, what did you do? And oftentimes, it's like it's like a hard question to answer because it's it's really like. I don't know. I feel like they're looking for like a secret or like a cheat code, like something I did that like, you know, they can just do replicate. Yeah. And it's like really a matter of like, you just got to make more art. Like people will, you can start selling your art when people want to buy it. Like that's what happened in my case. Like I had no intention of selling. I, I had the intention of creating. And when people asked to purchase my work, I figured out how to let them do that. But if my intention is I want to sell my artwork, how do I like go about and do it? If my artwork's not good enough to sell, like no one's going to buy it. Like you're going to be, I don't know. But you clearly had some sort of like talent that like just like you've obviously had it, but you started all this pretty recently. 
Yeah. Like it hasn't been a long time. People have been in this industry for 10, 15 years and still haven't made it to where they want or where like their goals are. And there's always like room to grow and everything like that. But you did have a fast growth. Uh, like, was that a lot for you or just like kind of came naturally? The like growth? Yeah. I think I I wanted that growth. Like, like when you embark on an, a goal as ambitious as like, I want to make one art piece a day. Like it was with the intention of like growing my, my Instagram audience. And when I started, I had like less than a thousand followers. And by the end of 2020, thanks to that goal, uh, I, I think capped at like 17 K and then by the end of 2022, sorry, 2021, that's when I did the billboard campaign. I like, I think hit like 80 or 90 K. And then now I'm sitting at like 180-ish K, give or take. Yeah. It's just, it's interesting because it's like what came first, the chicken or the egg? Kind of like you made the art because you wanted to make one piece a day, but then you also have to sell it because that's how you need to support what you're, what you're trying to do. And a lot of times people make art with the per, like with the sole purpose of selling it and that's like their business. But then there's the artists that make it because they want to create, they want to do but then again, you can't do one without the other because if you're not creating, you have nothing to sell. And if you're creating just to sell, then you might not be putting together the best possible product. It's such a like a, a fine a fine line of be, like the middle ground. And I guess the way you did it, it's like start by creating. Just have your goal, create it. If people want to buy it, then sell it. If people don't want to buy it, then create because that's what you want to do and that was your goal. And eventually, you'll get to that point where people want to buy. If you create enough things, it's... You hate like I don't want to say art's like a quantity over quality because obviously it needs to be quality in order for people to buy. But it is one of those things where if you're not creating quantity, how do you know what's going to be your quality? Like you need enough. You got to take enough shots to get a couple in, right? If you don't, if you only take one shot, you think this is a home run. Well, what happens if you miss? Yeah, exactly. Like I, I like using a lot of nature analogies. I don't, I don't know if it's I'm a sports guy. Like, I'm a sports yeah, guy. yeah. I'm, I'm a, a flower guy. guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I like to think of it like a plant, you know, like people always ask, artists always ask, like, how do I find my style the way you found your style? And the thing is, like, everyone has it inside of them, right? Like your existence is like a manifestation of your, you can call it style, you can call it expression, but like all of your experiences, all of the things that you've ever touched at a store because you thought that particular thing was interesting over somebody else, all of those things define you and your taste. And that is like a seed. And the more quantity that you make, that's like nourishment for that seed and it'll grow and you can nourish it with whatever you like. And the beauty about focusing on quantity over quality at the beginning is that it gives you a lot of information to see like what is working and what is not working and quickly calibrate and focus on the direction that you know you want it to go so you can say your your seed is sprouting in the wrong direction you're not you're not liking that you can start putting like like one of those things in gardens the tomato poles yeah and like start like navigating the vine to go in a different direction and then you keep fertilizing it and it'll eventually become a tree before you know it but if you're not giving that seed that taste like in you the nourishment to express itself in it's like full mature form like it you're not you're not gonna get, you you will get there it'll just take you a lot longer 
Makes sense. I thought you were going to say with this with the plant metaphor, I thought you were going to be like, you know what? You got to plant enough seeds so that one will grow or something. You know, no. You got to plant like 50 seeds and hope you got like one that sprouts. And I thought you were going to give like some like flower that never sprouts. You know, one of those like weird <laughs> ones that never grows. No, that's a comforting thing, right? Like you don't have to plant a million seeds and hope one of them grows. Like you're, you, we all have this one seed and you can grow it as fast as you want to. And I think there's a lot of like comfort in that because it's just a matter of putting in the effort. Yeah. And it's, it's about putting in the right effort too. Yeah. You can't just, you know, just try and kind of keep beating a dead horse or, you know, keep punching the wall. Okay. Try this. If it doesn't work, okay. Pivot a little bit, adopt, find out what worked. Okay. I really like this. This did okay. But people or myself or people really like this one aspect. Okay. Let me take this one aspect. Try it again. It's like what you were doing. Okay. You were doing the portraits. Okay, it was working, you were doing okay, then it got flagged. Okay, it got taken down. How can I transition that? Okay, I also like flowers. Let's combine the two and now you've got this, I don't want to say recipe for success, but you've got your nourishment for your seed and your seed is you know blossoming right now because of it. Mm-hmm. Right? If you just kept doing the portraits and they kept getting taken down, it's like, okay, you're giving the wrong type of effort in because you're not adapting. You're just sticking to what you thought was good nourishment, but in reality, it might not have been, right? Yeah, that's a that's a tough pill to swallow for some people. Oh, fuck. I can imagine. Like, it really is about, like, being very intentional with how you go about, like, the consistency. Um, like, for example, with my daily art challenge, it wasn't just, like, let me make anything that I want for, like, a year. I knew what I sucked at. It was actually portraits. I, I sucked so hard. Wait, at you were making, bad at portraits? I was bad at wow. portraits. In art school, I was doing like landscapes and like Man does portraits for a living and he was I bad know. at it, eh? I know. But like, that's the thing, right? Like I exposed myself to the area that I was weakest at. And I also knew that I was really bad at like value. I don't know if like value is a, a term that most people understand, but it's essentially like being able to understand how dark or how light something is okay. just by looking at it. So you can accurately capture that in your artwork. Sorry, randomly before I forget, if you were bad at portraits, what were you good at? Landscapes. Landscapes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I was a landscape artist. Uh, I, I was born in Bangladesh. Um, so in art school, I was very inspired by the group of seven, like yeah, the Canadian yeah, yeah, landscape yeah. artists. Fuck so it. I that like, made it to Bangladesh. No, it didn't. I, oh. I started, I, <laughs> I studied, I studied in Waterloo, but like, well, you as, said Bangladesh. I was like, okay, well, yeah, fuck, yeah, I didn't yeah. imagine that the group of seven. No, I, I my mean, my art teacher was right. They were big. Like, <laughs> they're, they're, I don't know if they made it to Bangladesh like that, but like, I guess being, a Bengali born kid moving to Canada at such a young age, like growing up with like this uncertainty about who I was, what my identity is. Like, am I South Asian or Desi or am I Canadian? I started painting Bengali landscapes in the same style as the group of seven to kind of just speak to this like ambiguity. So you would look at some of these paintings or that was my intention and it would seem familiar because it's the same artistic style that like Lauren Harris or Tom Thompson was painting in, but the landscape itself was like very unfamiliar. Something we would have never have seen. Yeah. And like, I thought that was like a cool way to like speak to like my existence as a person. Um, This is a fucking deep episode. eh? I'm just thinking about, I'm like, good for you, man. Like, do you miss like painting landscapes? Like now that you're like focusing more on like the portraits and like, yeah the, the plants the flowers the pop art yeah the it's pop like very art. different 
Like it is very like those are two different like kind of very, genres. Yeah, I don't even know how to say. It. Is it genre? Genre, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, for sure. Um, I do, and I think uh, you were also talking about like as like someone running a business, you have to figure out what like is authentic to you, but then you also have to think about what will sell. And one of the issues I think a lot of like big musicians feel the same way is that like you know you created something that has so much success people want more of the same thing how do you adventure and do something that's different from what you know i was interested in two years ago because i am interested in different things now but there's this like pressure that kind of keeps momentum going and it like makes me feel anxious to try new things but one like great thing that's happened out of all of this are like the corporate kind of partnerships I'm getting to do and a lot of these uh, like proposals I guess we can call them or like projects ask me to create stuff that are different from my usual so for the project I did with Adidas it was like uh, kind of like a landscape project really where they wanted me to create a piece inspired by Queen Street West um, but my question was how do I I, don't, I can't just make a landscape piece because that's not what people know me for. And I like painting portraits. So how to kind of like, how can I hybridize these two things? So I use my, like myself as like a base and then I covered my face with elements of Queen Street West. So I had the 501 streetcar. I had um, the Trinity Bellwoods Park gates. Uh, I had like some of the cool quirky building facade. So it's like, landscape elements but like contextualized within a portrait and i like extending on that i went to banff um a couple months ago and that was just so beautiful and i found that like the paintings of banff and the artwork of banff are so like what you would expect to see of like artwork of banff and i i I want to take my stab at it and I want it to do it my way where it's like, okay, how would Nasheed Chroma make a Banff piece? And I think like, you know, like when you think about the essence of something, like I have an idea, I have a concept and I think once I execute it, people will be like, yeah, of course that's what that would look like. I just have to like realize it. But it's like, it's scary because it's not what people expect of me, you know? But it's also true because when people see something, once it's done, it's easy to say, oh yeah, that reminds me of so-and-so. But on the flip side, before they see it, they'll be like, oh, how would you have done uh, you know, a Banff piece? Well, it's like you could ask 10 people probably that are like familiar with your art. How would you think that I would do a piece of Banff? Like, are you doing like Lake Louise? Yeah. Yeah. So like, how would you do that? And they probably all come up with a different answer. And then yours would be completely different. And then they see yours and be like, oh, why didn't, oh, I, wow, yeah. why didn't I think of that? Like, yeah, it'd be kind of a fun game. Yeah, I think so too. Um, but yeah, I think that's like, it just speaks to like the, the maturity of what my like style tree is at right now. Right. Like I am able to like produce fruit that people don't expect, but I, I, I know like what I can make or like what I'm capable of. And like now like brands reach out to me and they're like, Hey, like I have this really cool project right now. I can't really disclose who I'm doing it for, but they have like uh, an iconic magazine and they asked me to like reinterpret one of their like magazine covers into like something like my own style and it's like 
it, the the cover is so it's a beautiful cover it has a great palette and it is like it's like a cake it's it's like literally a cake with like a champagne glass and it's like okay how do i turn that into my own thing and it, it's like it's cool because like i came up with a concept i showed them they were like whoa that's sick and it's it's gratifying you know that people can come to me and like you can be like hey like can you like make a painting of like my chair or like you know the trope of like hey can you paint my dog and like i'll never just paint your dog now because it's like i i'm really thinking about like okay i don't like painting animals but if i have to paint an animal what inspires me about this process and that's kind of like why my tagline is like truly inspired you know like like a nike just do yeah, it yeah yeah okay question yeah so do you sell most of your work through like you're creating this is what i'm doing this is what i feel or by people like commissioning you to be like hey this is what i want oh i don't do commissions anymore unless no. it's for like a big brand a or big someone brand. that like i would like to work with okay yeah. so most of it's more just like you're just creating whatever, whatever you're inspired by and then you're selling that mm -hmm. well who, who is something that you would do a commission piece for Mm, the weekend <laughs> she'd be like you've already yeah. you've already kind of done it right like yeah but like it's, it, it would stuff, be yeah. it'd be crazy right like because if like it'd be like a full circle moment kind yeah of. like if like any of these like role models to me reached out and wanted to work together like it, it would truly be a collaborative piece right like I love working independently. One of the reasons I didn't like architecture was how client focused it was. Like mm -hmm. I wanted to create stuff for myself. I wanted to use my judgment and exercise my taste. Um, but in experiences where I am working with these brands or like in the past, like with clients, like for commissions and we would collaborate, like the output is always something beyond something I can just conjure up myself and I grow from that. So I love that. And being able to work with someone who truly inspires me it's like what would that even look like it's so exciting it makes sense what what was your big break like what was that moment that you're like i'm gonna do this full-time I, I can't not i'm gonna do this full i can do this full-time now like what was the piece that gave you that like aha moment where you're like i i got this I got fired. <laughs> yeah. Then that started the, you know, I'm going to do this one a day kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. But what was that piece where you're just like, you realize that, okay, I, I can do this for the rest of my life. Like, I don't have to keep looking for jobs on LinkedIn yeah. in architecture. Uh, I, I, I had like a goal. I was like, if I can do like eight sales a day, I can maybe think about doing this full time and see where it goes from there. And just before I got let go, I was like hitting roughly those numbers. So I was ready to maybe consider like quitting yeah. like in February or something. I just wanted to build up my nest egg a little bit more, but I got let go like earlier than I anticipated. And so that put a lot of pressure under me to make this work. But thankfully I had so much momentum, uh, in like just creating i had like taught myself how to use facebook ads and like my my now wife uh has always been like my social media coach she has like a very strong grasp of marketing and she, i don't think i could have been doing any of this without her because there's a creation side of things but then there's also the sharing side of yeah, things how do you get your shit side. in front of the people who want to see your shit
Yeah. And so it kind of worked out that you got let go, to be honest. Because if you didn't, then maybe you wouldn't have had the same fire that... That same... The thing that drives you sometimes is that that need to succeed. For sure. Right? If you're working part-time, you or sorry, even if you're working full-time, you would have been like, okay, it's not a big deal if I didn't hit my goal today. You know, no big deal. Well, when you need that money and you don't have that job and you're kind of grinding, you're like, you need, you need to hit that. Okay, what else can I do? Like, what other avenues am I not chasing? Or maybe if you're working full-time... You skipped one day of making hours. Okay, it's not the end of the world, right? Because, oh, you know, I'm still working. I had a long day at work. I'm tired. So I'm just going to go to bed. But when you don't have that job, you don't have that comfort blanket, you're just like, I have to fucking do this. Like, there's no other option, right? Yeah. I mean, I think it's easy to focus on that moment as, like, it's a good thing that that happened without really looking at, like, the, like, the days where I felt guilty about working on my art, like, oh, I could be taking initiative at, at my full-time work, the people who are paying my bills, but, like, I am intentionally choosing to focus on my shit, my, myself, and, like, I felt greedy for doing that. And I, I am happy that, you know, I was forced to m- make it work, but more so than that, what I'm most grateful for is like choosing to prioritize myself from the beginning. And every time I felt guilty about prioritizing myself over somebody else, I'm so glad that I I did that. That's like a really hard thing to do. I think yeah. for me, especially. Definitely for you. For me, me I, I have a really hard time prioritizing, like prioritizing myself. It gets always... I'm like a people pleaser mm-hmm. and especially with my friends. Like I want to make sure everyone's okay around me in every aspect of my life. Um, so I, I commend you for that because I wish I could. Yeah. I'm the opposite. No, I, I put myself, I've, I've had days where I didn't do that and I've had moments and I've had like parts of my life where I put other people first and you know, you know, got to make sure that everybody's okay. Take care of your friends, take care of your family, blah, blah, blah. And then you suffer. And it's like, fuck no. From now on, I, I tell everybody this. I am the most important person in my life at all fucking times. I don't have kids yet. I don't have a wife yet. Maybe when I have kids and a wife, that'll change. I'm sure when I have kids, it'll change for sure. But I am the most important person in my life and nobody will tell me otherwise. And I've learned over my years too that when you prioritize yourself and you are your best self, you're able to give more to others. Even though that they're taking a second place to your first, you get them being a second to your first, they will still benefit more because you are your best self. You're the best version of yourself. When you prioritize other people ahead of you, what happens to those days where you're only 50% of who you are and you're giving that 50% to someone else? Well, what do you have left? Nothing. And I've always said this. There's a reason when you're on the airplane and the fucking oxygen mask comes down, they say, put your mask on before you help others because what good are you if you're fucking dead or if you're not there? You can help others. Always said that and I will... Until I have kids, even when I have my wife, my wife will fucking know that I'm putting myself first, lady, and you will benefit the most from it, but I'm putting myself first, and I will knock on wood, you know, hopefully I make it there one day, but I will always put myself first. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good attitude. Hopefully you find somebody that makes think, you but, want to Yeah, but no, but it, on the opposite too. side, I want her to put herself first too. Yeah. I want to be the second to her one in her eyes, right? No, because for sure. I've had... I've dated women too, and this is a little bit too much of a range, but I've dated women who've put me before them. Yeah. And it, it ruined their happiness and their life. If I wasn't having a good day, they were having a bad day. It's like, whoa, why, do, why are you having a bad day? Well, I, you know, I need you to do this, or I want you to blah, blah. It's like, well, fuck me for a second. Yo, take care of you. You're having a bad day, and you're trying to help me right now? Yo, 
we're both having bad days. You go work on yourself. I'll go work on myself, and we'll both be good. Give us a little couple hours, but like go to go go to the whatever makes you happy. Yoga, I don't know whatever women do these days, right? Take care of yourself, and then the rest of us we can come back together after, and I'll take care of myself, and we'll be good together. Yeah. But anyways, that's a little off off topic. Um, <laughs> I want to ask, and I've been thinking about this. What's your favorite piece you've ever made? I was gonna ask that question. It's Are been you? in my brain for like literally. I have been waiting for it. I've also I'm so just curious. saw Vicky's message. She has the J Cole. The J Cole one. Okay. Oh, nice. Yes. Nice. Um, yeah. I was thinking about. That. I'm like, what's your? I've been wanting to ask. I'm like, I feel like we didn't have a, a good. There was no good time to ask yet. That's why I was waiting. I was like, okay, what's your? What's your? <laughs> my personal Ever. favorite one is uh, my floral weekend piece I did with the balloons covering his eyes. Uh, it's like named after his original trilogy, House of Balloons. Um, that one was like particularly challenging cause it was a moment where like I had this like idea, like I need to incorporate balloons somehow and every iteration of it, like in the concepting phase looked like trash and I really wanted to make this work so the people who understood my intention could appreciate it and I needed it to look sexy and, um, I remember like just feeling frustrated with like not being able to finalize a composition that I was happy about and remembered like I love music. I should just listen to this guy's original mixtape and see what that makes me feel. Maybe that'll give me some ideas. And I remembered exactly why I fell in love with it the first time I listened to it. It was like all the crunchy like synth notes and the bass lines and how like brooding and dark it was. And that inspired me to use like this glitch effect where I had the balloons, but I applied this glitch effect. So the balloons were kind of like split and that helped compositionally because a balloon just like this round thing and it looks kind of weird just in especially in pop art. Yeah. So by breaking it up, I kind of ended up having two half circles and by having these two half circles, I was able to, that's the one. There we go. I was wondering, Mike, is you, are you Googling shit right now? Yeah. I'm just on my phone. That's it. I wanted to so like, that's your that's your favorite. That's my favorite. I'm it's a huge sick. weekend fan. Like, so, but yeah, you are. And Kate, I was going to say this. It's kind of refreshing to have like a local Toronto artist, not say Drake. Yeah. <laughs> Very valid point, Danny. I just feel like everyone like they'd be like, oh, I'd love to like make a piece for Drake. I'd love to do this. And like you just. I feel like you just don't hear the weekend as often anymore. Even though he's almost equally as big. No, as he's now. equally as big, but you just don't hear it. The average person in Toronto would just yeah, automatically agreed. see Drake first, just because of his connection to the city. Whereas the weekend hasn't really kept that connection as much. Mm -hmm. So it's very refreshing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He also like grew up in Scarborough. I'm a Scarborough kid. And like, I think musically roughly our age too. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, damn, he is. Like, yeah. yeah, he's like what? Two 30? years older. Yeah, I think he was 30. older than something. He like he's roughly my age, yeah. I know he's right. You're, you're 30, gonna be 31 now, right? Yeah, yeah I'm going to be 33. So, uh, what's your best selling piece? Is that rude to ask? No, no, that's no not that's I don't ask. think that's rude to ask. Yeah. What's my best selling piece is the Mac Miller piece, uh, the Circles yeah, piece. Yeah. You know what? I think that's the first piece I saw of yours. Yeah. That may have been. And that was the poster that was up, the billboard that was right up here? on Queen. Um, yeah. Whose idea was the billboard thing? Was it yours or your wife's? That one was mine. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, that was that was my idea. How did they help me? Just driving down like Spadino one day, I'm like, fuck. You know what? I'm putting a billboard right there. Like, how do you come up with that? 
Yeah, so I mean, going back to like our original this conversation. This is COVID too, though, right? Like you're yeah, this year saying 2021. Yeah, um, I was getting rejected from all these like spots and like feeling really frustrated about it. And I knew my artwork could like, I, I guess, I, I knew my art had value, and I just needed to showcase it. And I walked by like a a TTC stand that had like a really sick looking poster on it and i was like huh this could work maybe i wonder how much it costs so then i like took the name of the the agency and i contacted them and we were able to like figure out a budget and uh the original idea like i my wife's component in this was she pushed me to like really make it big like i had originally maybe thought about just doing like a couple billboards but she encouraged me to do like the bike share network and the TTC stops as well. And like get like this combo package, which was like my entire life savings, like all the money that I'd made up making art. It's expensive. Yeah, it was very expensive. Well, and you're not a big corporation. You're an individual artist. Yeah. Like, yeah. You're not fucking, I don't know, Loblaws or like Walmart where it's okay. It's a drop in the bucket to spend, I don't know, 30, 40 K or whatever, right? Like. That's your think about how many paintings or sorry how many like digital prints you would have to sell to make that kind of money right like it's it's a lot of fucking money. It was a lot of money, and he's thinking like fuck man. If you, I tell you how much it was, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I you know what? Maybe I'll just be transparent. Like that cost me roughly eighty k. It was it was like a down payment on like a condo. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, but this was like my investment in myself. Like there was a down payment on my, my business, my craft, my career. And, uh, because it was so expensive, I knew I had to like do more with it. And that's when I turned it into the social media scavenger hunt so that I could see, you know, the impact on it yeah. on social media. And I, I was using Facebook ads at the time. And I knew if I can get people to engage with the stuff, in the physical world, in the social media space, I can then show them ads and then encourage them to buy my work and support me. Um, See, that's the scariest part too, is like you were, you paid the money to do this campaign and then you gotta pay more money to promote the campaign you're currently running. Cause it's not just, okay, I'm gonna put these billboards up and we're good. It's like, okay, well no, how do I connect it? I'm gonna be selling these digitally. How do I connect the physical painting or the physical art that's like on a billboard to the digital side. You got to promote that to promote that. And it's like, fuck. So that 80K is not just 80K. It's 80K plus plus on the back end. Yeah, no, exactly. And um, it was... I'd be shitting my fucking pants. It was scary. It was scary, but... Like, did you know it was going to work? Or were you like, fuck, I don't know. This is wild. Like, are you sitting there holding your, I guess, girlfriend or wife's hand at the time? Like, fuck, are we going to do this? Is this fucking happening? Like... Well, once the money was gone, the first billboard was up in like two weeks and seeing it, it was like, I don't even go fuck what happens because <laughs> <laughs> my fucking okay. artwork is six okay. stories tall. Yeah, okay. <laughs> oh. It's fucking that's Queen cool and Spadina. <laughs> like that's my painting. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> that's <laughs> just getting a photo of this is worth it. But yeah, it, it was like. Was hugely yeah. successful it was hugely successful like people stopped me on the street like once a day like yo are you Nishi Chroma and I'm like yeah that's me and it's like a trip and they're like yo like I saw you work all around the city it's crazy that's how I discovered you and like to this day I'm seeing the dividends of that campaign 
it makes sense. Well, again, all those followers you got, it probably you gained what 100k followers from that campaign, probably like all said and done. Mm -hmm. You're still probably getting followers because like the residual effects of that of those campaigns because people like walk into Vicky's house and see the picture like, oh, that where'd you get that? Oh, he does all these things. Like, do you remember those billboards like last year or whatever? Yeah, my friends like who work remotely and like they're working on American companies will like see my artwork on like their Zoom calls of their coworkers' space. Like, yo, is that like your artwork? Yeah, yeah. Is that is that Nasheed's artwork? And like their coworkers are like, yeah, that is. Like, I, you know him? Oh yeah, he's from Toronto. And they're like, yeah, like that's like one of my like closest childhood friends. That's, that's crazy. I do sell internationally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's like your biggest market right now? If you don't like Ooh, mine, good one. The states is definitely my, yeah. like they just have a huge the population. But it's also great that a Toronto local artist, and I'm saying Toronto local just because you are based out of here now, but you are coming. Like I guess you're from everywhere. Yeah. From all your yeah, moves. No, but I'm a Toronto but man. But you're like, you're Toronto. Like if yeah. that's Toronto like, man's. I'm a Toronto man, so. <laughs> but um, that you've been able to like expand into the U.S. market because think like how many people are actually in the U.S compared to yeah. here and like someone from toronto but i feel like that's with everyone like we have so much talent here in toronto that it's people don't give it enough it, praise yeah it's but it's also tough to get discovered especially in the states right like yeah but the fact that like his biggest market isn't the yeah. u.s is like an amazing thing yeah the fact that you've made it out there is like that again that's how you have to make it especially in the creative space being you know well known or big in canada is one thing but once you break out into the states that's a whole nother ball game yeah and like i really want to show my love to toronto like my apparel stuff is closing at the end of August because of like supplier stuff, but we're kind of come back in a couple months with like a completely reimagined like apparel line. And like on all the tags, it's going to be like Nasheed Chroma Toronto. Like, you know, the way like Scotch and Soda will have Amsterdam or like Burberry has like London, London, you know, like Toronto deserves that magnitude of a spot. And like, I'm hoping that I can be one of hopefully many brands and figures that like continue to do that so in terms of like drake like that's something that i really admire about him like he's yeah. really made he's always toronto kept toronto hype. yeah always um uh, sorry i just have a question and this is just going it's piggybacking off what we said about like, when you sat there and we were like holy shit my art's like here like it is up is there like somewhere else where you would want like could do like maybe you're not doing it but like would want to see your artwork up there yeah i mean like just I'm just like thinking like of an answer in my you're head. You're thinking a dream venue. No, like I'm like it's like not dream. like a dream spot. You're thinking it's just like just like imagine like just, like, new, uh, like, just like imagine yourself in Times Square and like your artworks all over Times Square. Like yeah, is there somewhere like, like honestly like I think I can see it. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> Thank you. Like I just see it in Times Square. You know what? Like how they do the Coca Cola bottle where it fills up. I could just picture the portrait and then the flowers just like slowly growing. Blooming. Up. That's an idea I had actually uh, for like a weekend piece. Uh, but anyway, but like when they release thing. like a new album, it's part of the album cover and it's like comes out in this their head and the flowers are blossoming. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Wait, do you do like uh, animation? Yeah. No, but I am friends. I'll with, take 10% door. <laughs> <laughs> I am friends with a guy who does all those like crazy animations for like huge musicians like SZA, Drake, Travis Scott. Like, so I connected with him and we've been in talks about making one of these ideas come to life. Uh, I don't know when I feel like that's it's gonna like an happen. A very organic next step. Yeah, yeah. How do you add like more texture to you know? But the, even the but movement. especially for something like a billboard, right? Like, yeah. Because now a lot of the billboards are going digital too, which kind of works out even better for you because your art is 
meant to be viewed more digitally than it is physically anyways mm-hmm. right is it actually i don't know is no. that a fair assumption it's meant to be viewed large okay that's okay. i think okay. that's like the only yeah. prerequisite that i'd have like i actually stopped selling sm- the smallest version of my prints just because i personally didn't find that that had the most impact and i love like when i'm working in a digital space the thing with working in a digital space is you're not confined to like you know your Borders. physical canvas like i'm zooming in and i'm adding like all this texture all these abstract details that a, a paintbrush can't get like a paintbrush could get but you'd have to be working on uh, a massive, canvas yeah. that was like eight feet by ten feet and like that's why the bigger these artworks are printed the more of those like subtle nuances you'd be able to see and appreciate so you do everything off the ipad yeah what right now. size of ipad do you have i have <laughs> like, uh, the 12 and a half inch one so like pro oh so it's like almost the size of a laptop it's almost the size of a laptop like, yeah but you can keep zooming in because like my dad came home one day with like a massive one this big uh-huh mike danny oh like just like a massive one i'm like this is a computer this isn't an ipad anymore like yeah. we need a keyboard for this uh-huh yeah no this is like yeah 12 like that big wow yeah and and where do you get your inspo from like it's just an artist that you've heard on the radio recently with a new song or a song that's stuck in your head like how does it how does the concept start yeah i mean like the next piece you're working on give me give us a rundown on that or the last piece yeah i guess i'm also working on a new post malone piece i love post malone i saw him in concert like so a couple I. of weeks ago Bang. unreal oh my god that was crazy I say, every time he sings um i fall apart oh my i've god. seen him live at least like five or six times now and every time i hear that song i like i you fall it, apart yeah, yeah. It, just, it gets i get goosebumps just thinking about it right now I'm like, uh, i feel his piece, pain then. i feel his fucking pain I when i hear that song i feel pain and it's like, I don't know if he's feeling the pain or if he's just the best actor alive. Like, But every single time, the way his body moves and the way he sings and the the kind of ra- extra raspiness in his voice, I'm like, yo, I fucking feel. Anyways, so. That's the thing, man. Like, you know, like you can look at these like, huge pop stars and like wonder what their lives are like, you know? But like after having... And like that's the thing. Like when I'm creating my artwork, I'm trying to channel that. Like what would post malone be feeling you know like how do you empathize with these people that we idolize like how do you add this human element that was great thank uh, you. you just said that was really good <laughs> thank you um <laughs> like hit. they they are people and the thing is like not a lot of people can understand artists but they can feel what artists create and like artists have like a personality type like we are very sensitive and like when we tune into the things that move us even if he doesn't feel that sadness he felt when he wrote that song when way back when i'm sure he has the ability to channel that every time he performs it and then make us feel it yeah yeah like it's well it's like translating emotions yeah it's like when artists write songs about breakups you know and then years later they're happily married in the best place but then when they sing that breakup song, they still give it to the fans and they still want the fans to feel like what that's going through, right? Or what they were going through. Because again, that's what you want. Art is meant to make people feel. And I strongly believe that whether it's happiness, sadness, it's meant to give you an emotion. And you know, you listen to, I don't know, a new, 
I don't know, what's a good what's a good song in the radio right now? A new Drake song or a new weekend song? You feel like happy and you want to dance, you want to like you're feeling all like high on life, and then you can listen to a post Malone, you know, I fall apart and feel fucking pain. And then you can the next song on the radio, some Ariana Grande song that's like all upbeat and happy, and you can feel that. Yeah, but all her upbeat happy songs actually have to do with her break. Yeah, or even yeah. like listen to like a, a Mac Miller. Like you listen to a Mac Miller song and you feel like a lot of times you feel happiness, but then you realize that oh, fuck that guy was you know, dealing with some shit, right? That guy was battling demons and you're like, holy fuck, like how can you feel happiness listening to this, knowing what happened and knowing where that he wasn't in a place of happiness when he was writing these songs or performing these songs. So it's just interesting to think of. Anyway, yeah. so b back to the emotion, uh, sorry, back to the inspiration. So it's, you're working on Post Malone piece because I guess you saw him recently and that's what fires you up or? Yeah, well, I wanted to make a Post Malone piece for a while. There's like a few elements I'm considering when I'm making a new piece. You know, like what do I want to make? What is like trending right now? Like is Post Malone dropping a new album? He just dropped a new album. I was hoping to have that done for that time. But like, you know, life happens. And on our back end, like now it's like we're, we're expanding the business. My wife and my brother are like my business partners. And we're like trying to figure out how to take this to the next level and in doing so i'm learning a whole bunch of other stuff that's a different conversation we can talk about that stuff after but uh i'm making art a lot slower all that to say these are the factors i'm thinking about and what do people want me to paint so there's there are times where i'm painting people that i have no like history with you know i have no musical context of a relationship with but people want me to to paint you know, say when I, I painted Prince, I didn't listen to Prince growing up, but it was like a cool opportunity to like expose myself to new music and try and figure out what it was that inspired me uh, by Prince and like channeling that into that piece so that the people who wanted to see, you know, a Prince piece as I would make it could like resonate with. But like, yeah, it's like, it's weird because sometimes people don't resonate like the people who want a prince might not like my rendition of prince but it's because i don't have the same emotional connection to prince as like someone who grew up listening to prince does but my goal is how what what to translate what my connection is you know and try to make that as authentic as possible i have a really random question but sure. do you like listen to the artist music when you're doing it i will listen during the research phase but when i'm painting i i usually don't like, are sometimes you in, it can be distracting. So are you in like completely silence? No. No, no. Like, no just, I like, do background? need music. He's listening okay. the weekend, man. Yeah, like, I listen to a lot of lo-fi music oh, to really? chill and relax to. Interesting. Yeah, lo-fi kind of just like, it's like repetitive and like monotonous enough where I can just keep like a rhythm of painting. Um, during the pandemic, uh, when Animal Crossing was huge, I didn't get into the Animal Crossing like wave, but I was listening to Animal Crossing music just to like feel like I was a part of it. So I'll like just do stuff like that. I'll listen to like video game music or like things that like, you know, are calming, but like not like elevator. You got some elevator yeah. music. Yeah, literally. Cause like you can be listening to an artist and feeling good. And then suddenly like a song that like annoys you comes, comes on, on and then yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. it's like derailed. Like that can set me off. So like, I like putting stuff on that is very kind of just like i can expect just comfort or like peace yeah, you uh you said you do art like a lot of like based on like what's happening who's popular like what's trending 
Do you ever like think about? I don't know like recently the Barbie and the Barbie movie or Oppenheimer, like doing uh, Margot Robbie or um, who's the guy from Oppenheimer from Killian Murphy? That's it. Yeah. Like you think about like you know what those movies are coming out. Those are going to be the biggest blockbuster movies of the year. Like I'm going to do something like that. Or do you like kind of more stick to the music side? It's mostly music because of my relationship with it. Like when I was younger, I was producing music. Oh, and I then in like that. undergrad, I was DJing. So oh, like okay. I, I have like a very intimate relationship with music. And I were think you good at DJing? I was pretty good. Oh, yeah, you're I not didn't like, and tell me you were shit. So like I, I did like mostly like frat parties and keggers and okay, stuff like fair. that. What was your DJ name? Fusion. Fusion. DJ okay. Fusion. Wait, is Nasheed Chroma your real name, or is that a, a like no, an Nasheed is my real name. My last name is Chowdhury. Okay, I was gonna say Chroma is uh, a sick last name. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, no, Chroma means colorfulness, and I knew I wanted an alias because, like, I, you know, again, taking inspiration from music, yeah. like, I love, like, a six-stage name, and I just needed something that, like, made sense. Uh, Chroma worked because I was very interested in color, and, like, the CH in Chroma also aligns with the CH in Chowdhury, so it was... And Plus, Chowdhury's a little bit harder to say. Chowdhury, I mean, if you really focus, it's not so bad, but, How do you like, spell it? C H O W D H U R Y, Chowdhury. Yeah, I guess that. But mind you, if you're just reading, it might be a little tricky. Maybe Chowdhury. I don't know. It depends. Yeah, it depends. Yeah. But yeah, Chroma, Chroma yeah, was like so badass. Yeah, I, I just wanted to like speak to my art, and I love color, so makes sense. sense. Makes sense. We we are nearing that point. Then you, I got oh, a couple. Of lo- yeah, you go. Sorry, what? I'm just like thinking. I'm just so in awe. Like so, like. Well, I I do want to <laughs> say what because we I kind of screwed up Danny's question. Asked, but what is like a dream spot you'd want to see your art? Well, like, I mean, if like you a, see it in a spot, you're like, I've made it. This is it. I would love to see my art at AGO. Honestly, like really, I feel like that'd be sick. Like to have like an exhibit there. Like I feel like it. I don't know. It's like I I am Canadian and like I am from Toronto and like it would just be like a full circle moment. Like I am being represented by like the most prestigious art Institute in like the country. Yeah. But at the same time, I feel like the art you, what you did is almost bigger than the AGO. You know, like how many people go to AGO on a yearly basis? A lot. It's still a thing. Okay. So what's the number roughly? Like a a few million go a year. I didn't think a few million, probably maybe a million or two. Think about how many people drove by your art on billboards. Like just on Spadina, yeah, the, the like Spadina one getting alone. Getting your own, like a full, yeah, I guess, okay, a full sense, space. Yeah. Like, I was at the Met last week or like two weeks ago, and it was like what I actually went to go see was clothes. No, oh, so, so it was like really funny. But then there was like this whole like Van Gogh exhibit that was happening, but it was like an hour and a half wait, so I did not wait. So basically, you did nothing. So I that. ended up going to every single exhibit I've already seen, but it was really cool. <laughs> That's fair. Like, okay. it's still cool to be going through it, but again, it wasn't, a lot of it that was available was not my type of art that I like to look at. That's like, fair. I would have rather gone to the MoMA. Yeah. Okay. So like, it, there is some of that That's appeal. Fair. Okay, so AGO's, AGO's your dream venue. AGO is a dream venue, yeah. yeah I feel else? like it's like something like within grasp, like I can make that happen in maybe five years. Um, and then in terms of like, I don't know, like, I guess like there's like, like my bigger aspirations are like not necessarily displaying art. Cause like I have done that, as you said, like now it's like, who do I get to work with? I feel like that's more where my mind is at. Like who can I collaborate yeah. with? Um, as Would I you- get more into like fashion and apparel, like who's wearing my shit? Like who can I get to? 
you know rock my drip like that's what i'm thinking about right now yeah would you rather work with a brand or a person and i know sometimes it goes hand in hand because like a lot of people are their brand but like would you rather work one-on-one with someone or like a company like like you've worked with like adidas and like things like that Mm. that that makes sense right yeah yeah i feel it's like working with no i get the question either like would you rather work with a person like drake or a brand like nike or like Air Jordan or something. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, that's a good question, actually. I don't know if, like, any big, like, artist will actually be, like, a solo work environment. I think even, like, these, like, like Drake or Weekend, they're working with teams. Like, yeah. they like having multiple perspectives. It's multidisciplinary, and I think there's a lot of, like, uh, benefit to that. So I think it would be cool to, like, you know, have, like, a conversation with say like the weekend but if i'm gonna make artwork for him i would like to have like people on my team there i would like to have people from his team there so we well, can like, want to get actually, to know him like you said you use yeah. like the inspiration from the people and like your perspective on it so it's like if you're seeing him and actually meeting him in person you'll want to know those like tidbits of pieces that no one else knows so you can incorporate that in your mm-hmm. work and you can probably get that more with a team yeah exactly like i think there's also like more opportunity like say there there might be something like i want to do and like mm-hmm. the weekend doesn't want to do and it's like if you have more people then there's more people that can like help kind of like Facilitate. clarify what like a resolution could be right like it kind of also takes the awkwardness out of collaborating because there is always tension in collaboration really i think so i mean maybe it's because like um, maybe, maybe it's because like you're also collaborating with like people in the same space. Like I was gonna say, if I commissioned you to make a, a piece, let's say we were gonna do something for I don't know whatever, and I'm saying I'm hiring you because I love your shit. I want you to do your shit. I don't want to be. I don't want this to be a back and forth. I want to be like, here's who I am. Here's here's me. Here's the inspiration. Take it and go, because this is what you do. You're the expert. You're the fucking creative. But I guess yeah. it's tough when you're working with creatives because they think they're they're also as creative well, as you it's like a lot of brands though too yeah. you have to follow certain brand guidelines and this is yeah. that like i'm sure when you worked with like mlc or adidas or anything like that they're like hey you need this exact red and this is exact if you're gonna mm-hmm. do it for a certain team mm-hmm. so it's like that takes away a bit of your creativity but then you can also spin that in a way to make yeah. it your own yeah but i mean even touching on your point like there's also like i know how clients are and you can say all that but the way I've designed my process to be is very much like inclusive of like knowing that you can say all this. You like the stuff I've already done, but we're talking about something that doesn't exist yet. Yeah, that's true. So I'll like design a composition and then I'll show you. And a lot of times people are like, wow, that's amazing. But let's, there's always like a, but can but, we do this? Can we do that? But can you put my dog in here? But yeah. You I know? also just think that like, I'm the same way as you. We're not like picky people. And especially cause we're so, we don't know, like we don't know anything about art. Like we're not artists yeah. and any like creatives in that sense that like we put our trust into the people. Into the experts, Not everyone's yeah. like that. People are very particular. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, I guess they'll they'll kind of one of the last ones. What's like what's next? What's next on the agenda for you? Yeah, I mean there are a bunch of stuff happening at the same time. I'm working on one like brand collab, and the second one is kind of in talks right now. Uh, so there's some really exciting like new stuff that's gonna drop like later this year. 
um, we're shifting direction with apparel. So, I mean, right now, all of my apparel is kind of like on the merch side of things, right? Where it's like my artwork that's printed onto t-shirts and crewnecks and sweaters or whatever. And people buy it to support me. They like the artwork. They don't have the wall space, but they want to, you know, mm -hmm. show me love somehow. But I want to like move in a direction where it's like apparel for like the aesthetic of the apparel sake, if that makes sense. You know, like you, you see like a Christian Dior bag, it's like, holy shit, that looks fire. Like I want that like level of eliteness or like clout and vision to translate into the apparel. But you're buying it for the piece, not just because you're supporting you. It's like, exactly. I'm, not, I'm not going to a concert and buying like a piece of merch because I like this artist. I'm buying this piece because this is a sick ass shirt. Exactly. And I want to wear this out in Toronto as if I'm wearing the next Dior shirt I just bought. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, treating garments as like another medium versus just like a, hey, like you can buy my artwork on a t-shirt. So that's also in line. And yeah, we're shifting away like from relying on like a third party manufacturer for prints and stuff and doing everything in-house. So it's just like a lot of moving parts. And I would also like to just create more like original stuff um, and like up frequency because right now i've like dropped as like maybe like a new piece every month and a half but there was a point even in like 2022 where i was making like a piece every four or five days there was a part where you were doing it once a day yeah and like i missed that you know like uh, i i truly enjoy creating and uh, i think i just want to re-tap into that i know like you know with like when you have ambition there are times where you have to do things that like aren't always uh, gonna be the most pleasurable, but there are things that you have to do to get you to like that next level. Um, but yeah, I just don't want to lose sight of like what brought me here, and I want to stay true to that. I want to create things because I'm actually inspired, and hope that in response to that, people continue to support the shit I make. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, I guess, Dan, you got anything else? No, Nasheed, man, thanks for coming on. I'm glad we got to do this. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's like, me. you know what? And, and it's cool when you get to, and that's the coolest part about this podcast is that yeah, like, I remember seeing it. And when I met you that time, I was like, Vicky, like, put me in touch with him. I want to get him on the podcast because it's like, I got to see his stuff. I thought it was such a cool concept. I thought it was such a cool idea. And then you get to hear all about it and you hear like, fuck, it would cost you a fuck ton of money and it's scared shitless. But you didn't care because you got to see it fucking six stories tall. So I always find it really cool when like, I'm genuinely interested in somebody or, or what they're doing. And then you get to sit down and talk with them uninterrupted for an hour and 15 minutes or whatever it is. Um, because you get to hear the full story behind whatever it was, right? So hearing that full story is awesome. And uh, if oh, people want to find out more about you, your artwork, what you're doing, where can they go? How can they find you? Uh, I go by Nishi.chroma uh, on Instagram and on TikTok. Uh, Nishichroma.com is my website. You can find my prints and my apparel there. Yeah. A website, easiest place to buy stuff? It's the easiest place to buy stuff, yeah. Beauty. And then I guess, uh, yeah, thanks for coming on. And if you made it to the end of this, guys, we appreciate you. Thank you so much. Give Nishi a follow. Give Danny a follow. Share this with your friends. And we will see you next week. Cheers, guys. You like to drink and to smoke to take away the pain. And I don't remember all of my mistakes in every eye. Got alone no one thing. You're not alright. I'm not alright.